Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Here's the staff to Riley's. He drops back. Blue Chiefs looking for Everly. He's throwing. Going to the end zone. Now McDavid walks in right circle. Back to Everly. Touchdown, Eskimo. One-timer score. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Ho, 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 everybody. The Oilers escaping Arizona with the victory last night. What a discombobulated game that was. The Oilers taking it 3-2 to end that long drought without a regulation win against the Coyotes. Surviving what I would call an awkwardly officiated game at best. And they are tied for first place in the division with the San Jose Sharks. The Sharks do have a couple of games in hand, but if the Oilers win tomorrow in San Jose, they will have the division lead outright most points going into the three-day Christmas break. Obviously a longer break for the Oilers, but uh, three days for the NHL. That game tomorrow, 7 o'clock face-off show, 8.30 for the drop of the puck all here on 6.30 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Good to talk to you, man. What an uh, interesting last 24 hours it's been. We're going to have open line time and text time coming up in about 20 minutes or so, but I want to welcome to the show broadcaster with the NHL on Rogers and former Sharks goaltender Kelly Rudy. Kelly, Merry Christmas. How's it going, man? Well, Merry Christmas to you too, Reed. Uh, it's going fantastic. And yourself? I'm doing very well. It's uh, it's a good vibe for the Oilers. They're having a good month. They're 6-2-3 and three in the month of December, so they've uh, pulled themselves out of a bit of a, of a rough November where the, the schedule had them pretty busy and traveling a lot, so it's, uh, it's good they're putting some wins in the bank here. Man, oh man, what a game last night, Kelly. And uh, you and I have done a lot of interviews in recent years on an Oilers team that was yeah. pushed around, boxed out of games. And I don't know what you thought as a current broadcaster and a former player when you see Zach Cassian deliver that hit last night and then just drop his gloves and say, who's coming to get me? <laughs> well, you know what? I, I love that part of the game. I've never been shy about uh, telling you that or anybody that. I That is a part of the game that, unfortunately, we're starting to lose uh, uh, too much of. Uh, I love the fact that players can be aggressive. I love the fact that there's violence from time to time in our game. Uh, I, I'm a big believer in intimidation, and if that's what uh, Cassian provides from time to time, I'm all on it. Um, I'm, I'm a part of intimidation, whether it's on a hockey rink, on a golf course, in a squash court, all these different ways. And you can intimidate with, with different ways. And, you know, you go back to Tiger's uh, heyday in golf. He intimidated, and it was not, of course, through physical play, but 
I just think that sending messages and when you put your foot on somebody's throat, you don't you don't ever let up. And so I love that game. I love the ending to it last night. Um, that line that uh, produced so well with Test Two, uh, um, Cassian and Hendricks. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I mean, not, those guys were so great to watch, and and you know they're rewarded for basically a, a half year of uh, excellent effort for the most part. Is there, and you know, Kelly, it's been no secret that Shirelli has tried to assemble a team with a little more of an aggressive attitude to it. I still think you have to have a mix. And, you know, there have been points throughout the season where, okay, McDavid got shoved or McDavid got interfered with, and people have said, well, Lucic is on the line. Why didn't he go do this and this? Why didn't Cassian come out on the ice next shift? Is is it just important? Is it? Is, is it important for the timing of when you do it as opposed to how often? Because let's face it, we know you can't get away with it every game. How important is, is the timing of, of knowing when to step in and do that? I think that's the key because if you were to do it every single time that McDavid uh, was roughed up or something, I think it would be pretty easy to say that the other teams would know that you could get everybody else to lose their focus. And it's important to protect your teammate. But also, your teammate, he'll handle himself in his own way, right? It's not as though McDavid, this is the first that he's ever experienced in his life. He's known all this his entire life. He knows how to battle through. And I just think that when you have an opportunity, then, then, you, then you take it. If, if it's not there, unfortunately, our bigger goal, our bigger challenge is to try and get points. And so sometimes that rough stuff takes a back seat, but nonetheless, um, you always remember, and it might not be that particular game. It might be next year where you get a guy. And, but people just never forget in this game. Kelly, can you explain how it might galvanize a team or create a little team bonding when they see not just what Cassian did, but Mark Letestu get in only his second career fight against a guy much bigger? Uh, you know, to see Hendricks take that hit and, and, and get up. What effect does that have on, well, I guess I'll just kind of call it team yeah. unity, team attitude? Well, it's huge. And, and as you can always tell, the guys stand up on the bench and they bang their stick on the board. But even further to that, Reed, uh, that's the first thing that's ever mentioned when you get back into the dressing room, whether it's at the end of the game, at the end of the first period, end of the second period, it doesn't matter. When, when somebody does something like that, that they, they go out there, um, even if you, you go out there and fight and you lose, even if you get really badly beaten, we don't care. It's just that you're interested in doing it and, and you're, we're all in this together. And so it's a real cool bonding moment, and the guy feels really great about himself, right? So, and again, it doesn't have to be that he knocks somebody out. As long as there's some sort of competing and he's in it, and, and it's just I can just remember many times where the guy just felt really great about himself and all of us were really proud of his efforts. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports tonight. Kelly, uh, and I'm going to do open line in the next uh, coming up later in the show, and, and Rob and I were on till midnight last night, and as, as happy as fans were about the Oilers' win, the officiating was a bit of a story, and uh, I thought it was a pretty sloppily refereed game. 
And and Rob and I said there were calls that benefited the Oilers too. I just I just didn't yeah. think the refs did a good job. You've been in games, and, and you know the goalie often can chat with the refs in between whistles and stuff like that. It was a one referee system. I think most, if not all, of your career. Yeah. But but is there a point where players might think to might think to himself, man, oh man, the guy in stripes is having a rough night tonight. And what is the what? Is, how does that affect the players in game? Okay, so first off, I'll just change the direction just a hair here. So it's the holiday season, right? We're all excited about the holidays, about Christmas and so on. So I always found this to be the most difficult time of the year uh, to play. I I was always distracted. I really enjoyed the holidays with my family. I was really looking forward to the break. And so I, in a lot of cases, I don't think I played my best this time of year. So I don't see it why it wouldn't be any different for the officials. I mean, they're also, they have their families, they travel even more so than the players, so I'm sure a lot of these guys at this time are having real difficulty focusing. So that's, that's the first issue I wanted to raise. Secondly, when you are um, playing uh, in these games and you notice an official's having a bad night, and, and I go back to one time early on in my career uh, with the Islanders, and I believe it was the, the linesman Kevin Collins. I'm not sure if you remember him, yep. but he is a, a really respected guy, and he rarely had a bad night. This one particular night, I didn't think he was all that strong, and I, I can't remember if they scored on me or they had a really good scoring chance because I thought he missed a call at the blue line, and so whistle blows, he comes in to gather the puck, and I really started giving it to him, and Kevin was a really nice man. Yeah, I mean, he, he was he, he most likely didn't deserve what I was dishing out that night, but he just looked at me in, a, in the most sincere way and said, Kelly, come on, I might not be having my best night, but I've seen you let in the odd bad goal, bud. And it was just about as simple and nice and kind as that. And, and I, you know, I said something really nice back. I said, you know what, Kev, you're right. Uh, that was unfair of me, and you, you won't ever hear me uh, talk like that again uh, or something like that. And, and I, I always was, after that, more sympathetic, unless I really thought the guy had uh, a real burr against us. And, and I won't mention the referee's name, but there was a guy that I thought, especially when I played for L.A., that he just frankly hated us. And I don't know if it was because of the star power of Gretzky or, or what, but I always felt like he wanted to take control of the game. And no matter what we did, I, I couldn't... I couldn't uh, um, be harsh on him. I couldn't be nice to him. There's just no, as you said, you had great communication. When you're the goaltender, um, even oftentimes when your head might be down before a faceoff in your own zone, you're having a chat with the referee. You just want to make it look professional so you're not just back and forth talking to him. So, and I recall this guy, I basically just gave up after a while. You know, I tried to smother him with kindness for a while there, and that wasn't working. And I basically just, at some point, decided that, hey, this guy's refereeing. We're not going to have any calls go our way. Get used to it. Don't let it bother you. And just play the game, and, and hopefully he doesn't impact it one way or the other. And, and so sometimes you really do know that or really do feel that they do have an impact, and, and they're only human. They have grudges too. Kelly, you know, I'm really interested in this. Because teams pre-scout each other, 
to death these days with all the video and iPads and watching all your shifts between periods. How aware will a team be of a referee's tendency? Maybe one guy's more likely to call interference or a hook or something behind the play than than the other guy. How how much of that will go on? Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, a fair amount. And in fact, uh, uh, I do know that some teams warn players about, hey, this guy is more prone to let some slashing uh, things go. This guy's more prone to, to calling these kind of things and so on. The only thing I caution against is I wouldn't I wouldn't want to show or talk too much about the officials in the sense that I don't want my players worrying as much about them as just playing the game. Right. And I know uh, I always reference Al Arbor, so I'm going to again tonight. He used to say, "Who, whatever the call is, good, bad, otherwise, in our favor, their favor, who cares? Just go play the game. And, and to that point, every once in a while, you know, the coaches lose their mind and they're all, all over the official. And at some point, that, that can be okay. That can be beneficial if you really feel like you're fighting for your team and you really got screwed in a call or something. But other times, if, if you continue to do it too often, it leaks into the players and they feel, hey, if my head coach is behaving this way, I can do it too. And I just think it takes it in, into the wrong mind space. And it's, it, it, usually it never helps you. Kelly, I got one more for you here, and uh, I, I thought of this while you were given an earlier answer. You mentioned the holiday season can be distracting for players. Tomorrow, the Oilers play at San Jose on December 23rd. Now, first of all, we know the Oilers have a really good road record this season anyway. Yeah. But a game two days before Christmas, are you better off being the road team? Uh, funny you're, you asked that question, Reed. I, have, I was having a conversation with a coach today in the league and and he asked me the same thing he said what did you like to do did you prefer to be at home or on the road and i kind of hesitated but i said you know to a certain degree i'd like to be on the road just because of my excitement for the holidays and i you know i wanted to go maybe take my kids skating or do whatever and and there was that sort of holiday element in it that i think really distracted me whereas on the road you're more in your routine. You might go shopping if you have a day off or something. But typically, the routine's the same. You go morning skate, come back, have your pregame meal, have a nap, get ready for the game, and then then you focus on the holiday. And I, I think that's the better way to go. Having said that, Reed, I'm probably the last guy to ask because I was terrible. I, I think I may have told you at some point. Uh, I don't know how many times in my career – if I played Boxing Day, I was pulled. And I, yeah. I used to think to myself every once in a while, doesn't the coach, hasn't the coach looked at my record the day after <laughs> Christmas? I'm terrible. Like, oh. And I, I would fight through. I'd even usually go for a great workout on Christmas Day, try and find a way to, to focus on hockey. And, and still, it was just a really difficult day for me. Well, Kelly, I hope this Boxing Day is enjoyable and uh, the days ahead here. Really appreciate your time, man. All the best to you and your family, and uh, we'll be doing this uh, again very soon, man. You got it. Have a great holiday. Have a great Christmas, Reed, and everybody in around Edmonton. That is Kelly Rudy checking in tonight, former NHL goaltender now, an analyst with the NHL on Rogers and on Hockey Night in Canada. Interesting comments there, him, about the officiating. I, I mean, I know... I think as fans uh, and as media, we can we can pick apart 
everything all we wanted. I think the message kind of there from Kelly, if you're a player and a coach, especially as a player to some extent, you can't you can't let it bother you too much, right? I mean, the Oilers' job was to win the game, not to try to embarrass the officials or talk the officials into getting beneficial calls. And, that, and to me, at least that's the positive, guys. We know what the Oilers have been through the last 10 years. That was a odd game. Maybe that's going to be remembered as the oddest game of the year. It was, a, I, I call it a kind of stumbling final half of the game. At least they got the two points and got the heck out of there. You know, they, they found a way to be better at score more goals and finally beat that team. Streaks and curses and referees aside. You can text 63630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Uh, I got some information about the officials that worked that game last night, and we'll keep you updated on the scoreboard as well. Busy night in the NHL. Hey, this is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, if you're on the phone line, I'm going to bring you in after the 630 news because we're tight for time here, and I want to give you enough time to get your opinion or your thought out there. And we're going to start with Jamie after the news. So, Jamie, please wait. I don't want to cut you short, but you will get in. DB texting in. He says, I've been hearing lots of protect the stars talk. Classic, uh, Cassian plowed Oliver Ekman Larson, who is a star from behind at the end of the game, and it's applauded. At times, there's a double standard. That's from DB. Uh, Well, okay, fair enough. There's a double standard in that you're always going to see it from the point of view of your favorite team. Um, But let me say this to you, DB. Oliver Ekman Larson wasn't an angel on that play. That was a a borderline penalty on Matt Hendricks. And I don't think there's an Oilers fan who's saying that Cassian made a clean play. I think everybody acknowledges that was a penalty. Um, but I think Oilers fans are happy that there's finally someone who will step up and do something if an Oilers player is excessively roughed up. I, I think that's the conversation that's happening here. Thursday night football is underway as well. Full scoreboard when we get back. We'll talk a little refs. We'll talk a little the test do as well. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, here's what we have going on in the NHL. Hurricanes lead the Sabres 2-0 in the second period. 2-0 for the Devils over the Flyers in the second and late second period. Blue Jackets up 3-1 on the Penguins. No score wild and Canadians after one. Same situation for the Ducks and the Senators. If the Ducks win, they would move into a tie with the Oilers and the Sharks. Blues up 2-0 on Tampa Bay after one. Scoreless Bruins and Panthers in the first. Kings out to a 1-0 lead on the Predators in the first. Still to come, Maple Leafs at the Avs. Jets play the Canucks. And uh, the Eagles have uh, got on the board here against the New York Giants. Thursday night football to go up 6-0. I think they're still kicking the extra point. Just looking up to see the replay, and it is uh, Darren Sproles running one in from about 25 yards out. I'm Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630. Chad, 780-496-0063 is the phone number. Open line time with Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Hey, how you doing tonight, Reed? Doing well. That's uh, good. I haven't talked to you in a while. I just wanted to comment and see what your thoughts were on the officiating last night, because uh, to me, that was a complete farce on the official's part. 
Well, I think I've talked about it a lot. I mean, I thought it was a sloppy game. I, I thought they uh, managed the game rather than just made the calls that needed to be called. Um, I, I don't want to be too one-sided about it because I do think that there were bad calls um, that favored the Oilers as well in a couple of situations. I mean, to me, it, it's there's a difference between refing a game and managing a game. And to me, it, if is refing the game is seeing a violation and calling it. And we know they're not going to be perfect, and we know that there are difficult calls, but it just kept getting out of hand yesterday, and I thought that they were managing the game, where it's like, oh, well, this happened. Oh, well, instead of just reacting to it and calling it, let's talk about it, and then, oh, maybe we should balance it off. I mean, what about the play? Griba gets five, and then they give an Arizona guy two, right? Well, no, the the Griba call, that actually was two minutes that back. The guy fell into Griba's ass. Excuse my language. Uh, but it was a it was a two minute interference penalty. That's what it was. Yeah, at, like, at worst. Even, even the Cassian penalty that that did not justify a five minute major. In all honesty, I think Larson. If Cassian was given a five five minute major, then Larson should have also got a five minute major for the actual play on uh, Hendricks because that was more dangerous than Cassian's play in the first place. Well, that could have been boarding called on Oliver Ekman Larson as well. And look, I, I honestly, Jamie, I, I I try not to talk about the officiating too much, especially when the Oilers have had poor teams because they weren't second last last year because of refing. They were bad. But no, they were bad. I agree with so, you. But I mean, last night they won, and fans still want to talk about it, which leads me to believe it was probably pretty bad, right? Well, the officiating was pretty bad. Like, I mean, I'm sorry, but when you watch the first two periods, then you watch the third period, the game was changed, and it was more affected by the officiating than the actual players themselves. Yeah, fair stuff. Good to hear from you again, Jamie. Yeah, too. Have a good night, Reed, and uh, Merry Christmas. Thanks. Oh, you... by the way, yeah. good choice on the Corey Card at the beginning there. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer. He picks the music off a, a long list that I have, have in a file. Uh, what is it, probably 80% 80s music in there, Kellen? Uh, more like 95. No, oh, come on! There's some Well, there's some Skrillex in there. in there, yeah, but that's, you know, 1%. That's it. <laughs> All right, we have Jared online, too. Hi, Jared. Hi, <laughs> Reed. Christmas. Thank you, you too. Uh, I just, you know, maybe I'm kind of out to lunch on, on this point, but how everybody is is so concerned with um, the refs calling the game by the rule book. And you think about it, is that the last 10 years they've been calling like a stricter game. So we basically, you know, in games there's two or three power plays. Guys don't want to hit, guys don't want to play physical because they don't want to get penalties. But it's just like a cop. Like there's a certain discretion and judgment. You can't call every little infraction. If it's Game 7 in the Stanley Cup and there's a tap on the guy's gloves, are you going to give him a two-minute penalty? And I think that even Wayne Gretzky, I remember I saw an interview with him. He said going through the clutching, the grabbing, and holding is part of the game. It's not like you're what, it was it going to be like no-touch hockey. And you look, even look at these concussion things. Why are the players getting all the concussions? My personal belief is is because they're, they aren't as aware on the ice as the older players were, like Gretzky and Lemieux, they're more just athletes. And I think that even with this instant replay thing, get rid of it. It's the lamest thing in professional sports. There's still the humans are playing the game. And the referees are human. Leave the human element in the game. Get rid of all the garbage technology that's disrupting the game. Like if the guy's foot is one inch 
I know. Out of the blue line. That's, you got to admit, Reed, that's lame to hold up a game for two or three minutes. Oh, I and hate hockey. the offside review. I absolutely hate it. Oh, it, it, and the thing is, hockey is a game of intensity, emotion, passion. It's going to be physical. It's going to be violent. There's going to be penalties. So even a guy like Benoit Pouliot, he's so afraid to do anything out there. to get He can't play. He's, like, paralyzed from playing. And I think that, you know, as this goes on and on, these guys are saying, oh, we got to protect the stars. I'm not saying you got to go headhunting them. Then you have to be, like, have, like, Dave Semenko enforcers. But it's getting ridiculous where if you called the game, nobody would be touching anybody. Nothing. It would just be, like, like everyone whizzing around. And part of the reason these defensemen are getting hammered on the forecheck is because of the fact there's nobody to hold up. You have a guy going in full blast in behind you. I mean, what's the guy? The guy's helpless. And I just, I mean, am I out to lunch on that, you think, Reed? Uh, I don't think you're out to lunch. Uh, well, I, I agree with you totally about the offside. I, I, and you, you're not the first person to say that, that maybe they need to slow down the game a little bit. But I also think that if, and I, I actually think McDavid has been interfered with more in other games than he was last night, even though I know there was the guy lying on him at that one point. But I also think if a fast player dumps the puck in and creates his own path to go get it, he should not be impeded by a defenseman who, instead of turning to go get the puck, steps out of his lane and knocks the player off course. That should still be interference to me. But now you're saying that if you can't eat, like in basketball, you can even throw picks. Hockey, you can't even throw a pick. It's a penalty. Like interference is a pick. It's the same thing. And now in basketball game where there is no real contact, you're actually allowing more contact in a game where there is no contact. It's like reversing the situation. Well, that's an interesting point about basketball for sure. But, I mean, at least in basketball, in a pick, the defender is supposed to stand his ground for at least a split second before the offensive player gets there. I mean, I, I just I just think that if, if a guy dumps the puck in and has his own path to chase it, he has the right to take a straight line to the puck. And I, I, I think McDavid tries to do that and still yeah. too often gets bumped and it's not called. But I think with Connor, there is the concern is he's always looking at the reps and stuff like that. And, I mean, you remember like when Casparius was with Lemieux in the 93 playoffs. He was all over him. Gretzky's had guys all over him. I guess... When you're the best player in the world, you have to deal with part well, of it. I know you're right. Come, you're right, and I think he is. is. I mean, he's not he's not lipping off too much. You see him shooting an odd glance, but I, I thought he was pretty quiet last night. You know, I think he knows what he has to take. Yeah. Okay, I just want to give you my two cents on that, and have a good Christmas. And uh, Merry Christmas to Rob, too. You guys are fantastic, and I enjoy listening to you every game. Thanks, Jared. Always happy to hear you call. It's 642 Inside Sports on 630 Chet. We have Mike on line three. Hi, Mike. Reed, how are you tonight, buddy? Doing well. Good to hear from you. Yes, yes. Good to hear uh, Good to hear your voice again. Hey, uh, just four, four simple words uh, to everybody out there about uh, Latestu. I told you so. Um, oh, I no think I'm I know not. which mic this is. Yes. Is this the mic that called on July 1st, 2015, when uh, Mark Letestu got signed to the contract, and afterwards somebody asked if you were Letestu's uncle, which you aren't? I was just going to say I'm not Letestu's uncle. Uh, we were born in the same town. We do have the same birthplace, but uh, I've actually never met the young man. I've uh, watched him play, coached against him back in his younger years, but uh, um, he's uh, he's just there. I mean, he... 
what he's done in the last bit here, that's that's who the kid is, and and uh, you know he uh, every challenge he's got, he's uh, always taking it head on, and uh, you know I, I keep expecting uh, good things from him the rest of the way, and uh, yeah, I just want to uh, remind everybody out there that I had said that uh, July first, so 2015, so. Um, not that I'm patting myself on the back, but uh, <laughs> great hockey player. He's uh, he creates things out there, and and he's not scared. For example, last night, hey, we knew or I knew him coming out of the penalty box. If it wasn't a whistle, if it was during the play, Hansel was gonna chase him down, and and sure enough, that happened. And and the kid stood in there and probably gave up about six inches and probably about thirty pounds, but uh, stood in there like a a true teammate and, and uh, didn't win the fight but didn't lose it either so uh, that was the main thing coming out of that and love the spirit uh, of the Oilers last night and you know what win, lose or draw uh, whatever happens last night they, they stood up for one another and they're going to be better off going forward and it's good to, it's good to see that again uh, in the Oilers now, Mike, when you, I remember when you called in a year and a half ago, you said to everybody, watch out, Latestu's going to help the power play. Uh, a lot of people laughed when he was on the power play last season, and now obviously you've been proven right. You're a, you're a hockey coach by the sounds of it. To me, Latestu is a shining example of just do what your coach tells you. They wanted more shots on the power play. They wanted more pucks into the blue paint. He's just gone out there and done that, whereas other more quote-unquote skilled players haven't done it. Oh, absolutely. You know what, he definitely does what the coach wants him to, but let's not fool ourselves. The kid's smart. I mean, he's a smart hockey player. He's exhibited that all his life. Um, You know, some of the knock against him was his skating, but you know what, sometimes the kids that don't skate as well, they have to be better thinkers because they have to get to those areas in different ways, and they always have to be a step or two ahead when they're not uh, the faster skaters. So um, he's smart, does what he's told, and and obviously yeah, it's it's helped out. And as I said, July first, two thousand fifteen, I said, you know what, you can play anywhere in that lineup and, and do whatever it takes. And again, he's proven that. You know, he's. Uh, to me, if you're playing on the power play, you're a top six forward, and uh, and he's played there, and he's played on the PK, you know, as a bottom six forward, so he can play anywhere. Um, I don't think we want to quite throw the gold pads on him yet, but uh, <laughs> you know what? Uh, he he definitely uh, definitely helped that team out, and and uh, it, it uh, he had a, he struggled last year, but hey, tough coming back to your home province now where you've got friends and family coming to watch uh, pretty much every night and and uh, you know that, that's got to be a, a strain on him but uh, I think uh, this year he's definitely showing what he can do. Mike good to hear from you man. Merry Christmas. Same to you Reed. Merry Christmas. That's Mike seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Kyle and Gary up next quick timeout inside sports 630 Jed. <laughs> This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Cam Talbot, very good again last night, getting the win. Oilers 3-2 over the Coyotes. They are at the Sharks tomorrow night. Pick six for Philadelphia. They lead the uh, 
New York Giants 14-0 already halfway through the first quarter. Giants trying to clinch a playoff spot with a win, be their first time into the postseason since 2011. 780-496-0063. Kyle is on the line. Kyle, thanks for calling. Reed, how are you doing tonight, bud? I'm doing very well. It's good to talk to you. I listen to you and Robbie all the time. I've, I've had the pleasure, of, or I should say my son's had the pleasure of having Robbie as a coach a couple times. He's fantastic. We always talk some good hockey, and I, I, uh, I just wanted to call in and say that, you know, I can't remember the last time on December 22nd that I was uh, every night this year, I'm on NHL.com looking at the different games, the different teams in our division, the different teams in our conference, who they're playing, hoping that the Eastern Conference guys are going to beat them because our Oilers are doing well and we're in a battle here. And I'll tell you, as an Oilers fan, since being five, six years old when Gretzky first came around, it feels pretty good. Well, you're right. It, it's nice to talk about. And, and I was saying the other night, Kyle, just just think about the season's not even half over. Think about everything that's already happened. They were 7-1. and one. They had a five-game losing streak. They they had uh, those three overtime and shootout losses on, on the road trip earlier this month. Now they've come back. I mean, they've dealt with some injuries to the to the defense. I mean, there's already been tons to talk about. Some, some good, some bad, but it's kind of experiencing a normal season where you see them keep fighting. And almost every game, has been close. And I know fans don't want to hear about moral victories, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that at least they're a good enough team where usually going into the third period, they got a shot to win. But I think as fans, we I mean, Edmonton's got a great fan base, and I think it's a smart fan base as well. But I do think that as fans, we do need to take those moral victories in a year like this year and be happy with them because of the fact that change is happening. Right, we're seeing good things out of the team. Obviously, tomorrow night. I mean, if we win tomorrow night, and I hope that we do, obviously, we're first in our division going into the Christmas break. When was the last time that happened? So, even some of those moral victories to me on a team that's improving should be good because moral victories will only bring better things along the way. We couldn't say that last year, or the year before, or the last five, six, seven years. So, I'm all for these moral victories. I'm also all for what Cassian did last night. I think that. I love this guy. I wish, uh, I hope they sign him for a few years because I love the fact that he does what he does. Uh, he's got a smile on his face that only his mom can love, but he, but he's always smiling. <laughs> this guy is good for the team. I love Maroon. I, uh, you know, a lot of people talk the Hall trade. Well, where were we a year ago? We're a much better team this year, and I know that, you know, people don't think it was good. This whole team in general is better, and I think that. The things are looking up, and I'm thrilled as a fan. Well, I went and looked in the Oilers media guide before I came on air today. The last time they had a record anywhere, I mean, they're either going to be five, six, or seven games above 500, depending on what happens tomorrow. Um, in 05-06, they were 21-11-4 after their final game before Christmas. That's the last time they were anywhere. I mean, this is the first time they've been anywhere close to having a record that good at Christmas, 10 years and ago. Th- Truth be told, Reed, that was the last year that as, as, a, as a true fan who's always stayed with them, no matter what, that was the last year that I remember, obviously going to the Cup Final, being this excited and, and, like I said, really watching the stats, really watching the standing. And I just think kudos to it. And, hey, Merry Christmas to you and your family. And uh, I'm excited to see what happens uh, after Christmas and going into the, the, the early spring. And hopefully we're playing hockey in April and May. 
Right on. Thanks for calling, Kyle. Great to hear from you. By the way, just some breaking news today. It looks like Edwin Encarnacion has signed a three-year deal with the Cleveland Indians, leaving the Toronto Blue Jays. We have Gary on the line. Hi, Gary. Hey, season's greetings to you and yours, and also to our uh, old country listeners out there. Um, well, the first thing I start with, we talk so much about the referees, and uh, this has got to be one of the worst games so far, at least in the Oilers' perspective and the Oilers' fan. But uh, anyways, moving on forward, uh, it's nice to beat a team that we've had trouble playing or getting points against where they pick up a point. It's nice to break that, that uh, slump now of 25, that's with the 25th game yesterday, I believe, right? And yeah, we've got two more games against these guys, and uh, yeah. I think we might be able to build a rivalry with these, just like we did with Calgary, hopefully with Calgary now, too, into the future. Um, what's nice now is, going forward, uh, we haven't had our star players injured. That's a knock on wood, if I may say that. Uh, the injuries have been mostly on the, in, on the defensive side. We, have the, we now have the depth now to, 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 to cover that, that situation in case we could do that, the injuries. Uh, going forward again, uh, rest of the season, hopefully our star players, McDavid, Lucic, you know, everybody else in the first, second line, uh, stay healthy. And um, it's it's so exciting now. I mean, it, hopefully we see uh, what we had back in 2005, 2006 as Oilers fans. And uh, other than that, we'll move on to uh, San Jose and see if we can now grab, grab more, another two points there. Gary, thanks for calling. Merry Christmas, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. That is Gary, 780-496-0063. So, again, the uh, baseball story here reports that the Cleveland Indians have signed Edwin Encarnacion, three-year deal worth $60 million. Don't see any other uh, details on that yet, but no more with the Toronto Blue Jays for Edwin. David Legwand retired today, 16 years in the NHL. He was 36 years old. He was the first ever draft pick in the history of the Nashville Predators. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick timeout. We'll update the scores. we got a great story coming up in the next hour. Jordan Cook, he's from Leduc. He plays for the University of Saskatchewan Huskies. And he's been picked to represent Canada at the Spengler Cup, which starts in Switzerland. On Christmas Day, really cool honor for Jordan Cook. He's going to tell us how it happened all in the next hour. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. 630 Chet Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chet.